Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll tell you, no, no, no wonder they're having violence over there if they're having to deal with as many phone issues as I've had to deal with today. Um... First of all, the, the, the serious question is, what is the origin of the Palestinian people? Kind of tell us about this and educate us here, Yonason. Well, uh, it, it really is quite fascinating because we're told uh, that Palestinian people go back to time immemorial. Uh, and in fact, it's really a very different story. Um, the, uh, the Muslims originally conquered that region in the year 638. They defeated the Byzantines which was a breakaway from the Roman Empire, which had um, conquered the last Jewish commonwealth during the Second Temple period. Uh, the Muslims ruled for uh, about 400 years. They were conquered by the Crusaders, who were conquered by the Mongols, who were conquered by the Egyptian Mamluks, who were conquered by the Ottoman Turks, who ruled for 400 years until they were defeated in World War I by the British. That <laughs> wow, that's a heck of a timeline. Yeah. So, in 1917 uh, begins the period that becomes known as the Mandate for Palestine, eventually under the United Nations. Uh, At that time, the Arabs who lived in the region had no identity as anything called Palestinian. They considered themselves part of Greater Syria, and they were looking to be ruled by King Faisal, who was the king of Damascus. That lasted until 1920, when the French occupied Damascus and divided the region, taking the northern part for themselves and giving the southern part to the British. At that point, Palestine becomes the area that we know as Jordan and Israel together. In 1920, um, the, uh, the British, I'm sorry, 1921, the British divided that country or that area into two parts. The 76% on the, on the east side was Jordan. The 24% on the west side was was reserved to eventually become a Jewish homeland. But that wasn't enough. Uh, The Arabs in that region continued to be restless. And in 1947, when the United Nations partitioned that remaining portion, uh, they gave about a little more than half to Israel. So Israel ended up in the original 1947 borders with 13% of the entire Palestine. What happened was that in 1920, when the, when the, um, when the French conquered Damascus, the, the Arabs living in the region, they needed some sort of a, a national identity so that they could claim a right to the land. And they invented the whole concept of a Palestinian people uh, just 95 years ago. Before that, there was absolutely no such concept. That is absolutely fascinating. We've got Yadis and Goldson with us today, learning all sorts of things today, kids. Origins of the Israeli-Palestinian violence and hopes for peace. How were these borders of this modern state of Israel drawn? This is the one thing that I've always wondered, that the whole border and the drawing of the border and all that. Can you go into details on that? Well, there's sort of an evolution but the, the 1947 borders 
were drawn based upon demographics, trying to, it's basically what the, the same thing the British tried to do in India and Pakistan with such uh, mixed success there as well. Um, they, they tried to isolate the greatest pockets of population, and they really created a, a Jewish state that was in no way viable. You had three separate sections that, that were only barely connected. Um, nevertheless, uh, the Jews accepted what they got, but the Arabs didn't. And in 1948, uh, the combined armies of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq uh, went to war against the Jews in that area. The Jews uh, defended themselves, and to everybody's surprise, um, they, they were victorious. Now, they ended up retaining parts of the land that were necessary for territorial integrity um, and for, for defense against future attacks, which of course did happen with some frequency. Um, but that, that created a kind of a status quo for a while. Uh, that really changed in 1967 when, uh, again, they were attacked on all sides. The Jews ended up at occupying uh, the Gaza Strip, which is the southern uh, piece along the coast that originally belonged to Egypt, the West Bank, which originally belonged to Jordan, and the Golan Heights, which are part of Syria and really had no use except for lobbing missiles into Israel. Olson with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. It is a, a fantastic education today. The origins of Israeli and Palestinian violence and the hopes for peace. Now, we have some disputed areas. Why is that? Well, it goes back to those, um, to those, uh, to really to the 1967 war, and parts of it go back to the 1948 war, that Israel finally decided that it couldn't continue to give land back to aggressors. Um, nevertheless, uh, if we fast forward a little bit, in 2005, they did get give back the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians uh, almost immediately. Um, it was used to launch missile attacks into Israel, and, uh, and, and the leaders of Hamas there the border to try to attack Israeli civilians. Um, in, 19, in 2000, Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered to give back 94% of the West Bank to, uh, to the Palestinian sovereignty. sovereignty. But Yasser Arafat refused. Uh, he insisted that Jews would have to repatriate five million Arab refugees before he would accept the deal. And since that would uh, destroy Israel both culturally and economically, the Jews couldn't, the Israelis couldn't accept that, and consequently uh, they came to another impasse. We've got Yanis and Goldson joining us today, giving us an interesting education, origins of Israeli-Palestinian violence and hopes for peace. You can check out his great new book, which is now available, Proverbial Beauty. Secrets of Success and Happiness from the Wisdom of the Ages. Is it accurate to refer to Israel as an, um, I guess, an, an apartheid nation? Oh, that's, that's really a, a point of, um, well, maybe I won't tell you what it's a point of, but it's, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's, it's sheer fantasy, but it's really much worse than that. Um, the, the Arabs in Israel... It's true they, they only make about 60% of what uh, Jews make, but at the same time, their, their uh, standard of living is about 60%. I mean, I'm sorry, the cost of living is about 60% of, of what uh, Jewish Israelis uh, have to, need to live on. So, so that's really a bit of a wash. Demographically, 
Jews choose to live among Jews. Arabs choose to live among Arabs. Um, they're not forced to live in, in, in certain places uh, in Israel proper. Um, uh, literacy rate, rates and life expectancy among Arabs in Israel are significantly higher than among uh, Arabs in surrounding nations. But if you just look at the, at the, the face of the country, you see that Arabs are represented everywhere. You have Arabs represented in the Israeli Supreme Court, uh, you have former Arab Deputy Speaker of the Knesset, you have an Arab national soccer team captain, you have Arab pop stars, Arab news anchors, even had an Arab Miss Israel. Uh, how much more integrated could a people really be? <laughs> That's a hell of a deal. We've got Yannis and Goldson with us today. Origins of Israeli, Palestinian Violence and Hopes for Peace. He's got a brand new book out. It's now available, Proverbial Beauty. Secrets for Success and Happiness from the Wisdom of the Ages. We've got to have a link to it on our website at JiggyJaguar.com. You can buy it through Amazon. We'll, we get a credit for that, and then you get connected with Yonison's tremendous, tremendous new book. Uh, what would it take to bring peace to the region, my friend? Well, the simplest thing it will take is, uh, is the will uh, for there to be peace. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, he, he, he summed it up in a very in a very clear soundbite, he said, if, the, if, the, if Israel would lay down its, if, if, if the Arabs would lay down their arms tomorrow, there would be no war. If Israel would lay down its arms tomorrow, there would be no Israel. Um, all you have to do is, is go online, is listen to news reports. Uh, the, the, the children uh, among so many of these people, uh, the Arab people, are, are indoctrinated from, from birth to believe that Israelis are, are aggressors that, that they, to want to kill Israelis. Uh, they just had on the news last week um, this propaganda poster, How to Stab a Jew. Uh, they have paramilitary, paramilitary summer camps. The textbooks claim that, that Israel stole their land. Uh, they, they refer to uh, Israel Independence Day as, as Hanakba, the catastrophe. Um, they are they are raised on, on a propaganda a diet of propaganda that convinces them from uh, from the moment that they have consciousness that these are our enemies these people want to kill us and that that all we uh, we, we have to fight them in, in order to survive and regain our land uh, the really sad part is that so much of the Western world buys into this and enables it uh, every time you hear, um, a president of the United States or a secretary of state uh, in, indulge this political correctness, this moral equivalence. It's both sides have to agree to make peace. Israel's been trying to make peace for almost 70 years. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of, of putting international pressure on the, on the leaders that want to perpetuate this violence for their own power. Um, you, you even find that, that Arabs who want to live peacefully with their Arab neighbors uh, are in danger themselves. They're called collaborators, they're threatened, their families are threatened, and in some extreme cases they're even coerced or, or, or blackmailed in committing acts of terror to prove their loyalty so that their, their families won't be attacked. We've got Yonason Goldson with us today. He joins us live. And Yonason, uh, uh, do, do you think that this is ever going to... Is, is there ever going to be peace at all to this whole thing? What's it going to take? It, it's, 
I, th I think the burden now is on the international community. There, there is so much, um, so many millions in international aid that are that are given to these Arabs, and so much of that is diverted to terrorism. If you if you go online and look at these tunnels uh, that they built to to try and attack Israel, you know, you think of somebody digging a tunnel, you think of a rabbit hole. These were high tech tunnels with with reinforced concrete. With, with lighting, with communications. Um, I mean, how many millions of millions? While, while people are starving, their own people are starving, and, and they're spending money uh, that could be used to, to, to help the plight of their own people. Uh, and instead, they want to, want to attack a, a country that wants to be at peace with them. The international community really has to stop ignoring the, the reality of this situation. They have to put strings attached on this money. Uh, tell the Arab leaders, you have to make peace if you want us to give you um, support for your own people. And when you hold the purse strings, uh, that, that changes people's political attitudes pretty quickly. But uh, the only thing stopping peace right now is the will to make peace. Yonason Goldson with us today. Yonason, I appreciate it, my friend, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, brother. All right. You have a good weekend. Appreciate it, my friend. Proverbial Beauty is the latest. We're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, we are going to attempt to get Tony Cotillo on the telephone. We might, we might blow out Tony Cotillo. We might just blame that on Jacob Craddock. <laughs> Richard Kurtz is still to come during this hour. Aaron Snyder, Frank Savalto. Michael Murphy and Josh Bernstein in our following hour and hour number three Mr. Mark Davis, Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America, Jennifer Burke and our good friend Mr. Michael J. Connolly from the United States Justice Foundation we've got more coming up that's right we've got a brand new Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli I guess? Aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.